morning again. If you would turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 will be our text this morning. And this day begins the official first week of the holiday season. Uh, for some people, the Thanksgiving holiday is a joyful occasion. It's filled with loving relationships and with family and friends with wonderful overflowing tables filled with food and with football on television and all kinds of fun to be had as we gather with our families. Okay, I know that for my wife, Thanksgiving is actually her favorite holiday of the year. Okay, even over Christmas, her favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Okay, anyone else, Thanksgiving's your, or the rest of you vote for Christmas like we're all supposed to. Okay, just checking. All right, so I thought this week uh, about preaching a typical Thanksgiving sermon, right? Thanksgiving is certainly a biblical concept. Many passages in your Bible talk about the need to be thankful. Uh, one of my favorite stories is the 10 lepers that Jesus heals. And out of 10 people who were healed from leprosy, how many of them come back and express their Thanksgiving to Jesus? One. Okay, several stories from the Old Testament talk about the importance of giving thanks as well. David writes some great psalms of Thanksgiving. Many of the songs that we sing in church that are songs of thanksgiving come directly from our psalms. Okay, but even though thanksgiving would be a fine topic for discourse this morning, uh, and even though I'm sure that that sermon would have been brilliant and insightful and moving, um, and even though I hope that we will take some time to seriously give thanks to God this week, especially on Thursday between football games, if you would. Just pause the TV for just a second and think, what am I thankful for today? Share that with the other people at your table. Hey, even though I think that would be beneficial, uh, what I've decided to do this morning is something that hopefully will be beneficial to you, and that is to give us some practical advice on how to keep your faith in spite of the holidays. Right? And I feel that this is helpful to us and necessary to us because the holidays are an especially high-stress time. Uh, there was a recent survey done by NBC, uh, and they polled people and found out that 45% of Americans would prefer to just skip Christmas altogether. Uh, according to the APA, they found out that 70% of us are stressed by a lack of time during the holidays. Uh, I actually thought that number was a little low, right? 70% uh, of people are stressed by the financial pressures that the holidays bring. Okay, they also figured out that half of us experience gift anxiety. Okay, and this is where uh, the thought of having to give or receive gifts itself causes stress. Okay, I understand this, right? I want to give good gifts. I don't want to spend too much on gifts. I don't want to spend too little on gifts and be cheap. Okay, and the worst thing is if somebody gives me a gift and I wasn't planning on getting them a gift, because then I've got to go run out and pretend like I was planning on giving them a gift the entire time, right? It's stressful. You know, I remember once there was a, a very sweet old lady at my church, and she brought me a tie. And it was the gaudiest, most hideous tie you have ever seen in your life. And I have to stand there and receive the gift and say, oh, thank you so much, right? Even though I know that there is no way I'm ever going to wear this tie. I know what I'm getting ready for Christmas. It just came to me. <laughs> 
holidays are difficult. You know, the holidays also come with more loneliness than other times of year. Uh, Most of us remember loved ones like grandparents or somebody else who has passed away. And as we gather together for the holidays, that is the season where we really remember this isn't like it used to be, right? It's not like it was back when they were here. You know, there's more pressure also this time of year to live some sort of a perfect life that keeps up with everyone else around us. And for some of us, spending time with family just in and of itself is a stressful activity. Okay, sometimes the prospect of spending a few days with family is more like the battle at Thermopylae than it is a Norman Rockwell painting. Okay, yes, holidays are wonderful, but they're also difficult. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to cheat just a little bit. Uh, we're going to continue our sermon series on Romans. We're going to look at the end of Romans chapter 12. And even though Paul never had it in his mind to use this as a holiday sermon, I think that his advice here at the end of this chapter on how to treat people and how to promote better relationships certainly applies in a special way to this particular time of year. Because I think that if we want to survive the holidays and if we want to keep our faith, if we want to be a people who represent Jesus well in the world around us, it really begins and ends with how we treat people. Okay, So ending in, in Romans chapter 12, Paul gives us some great instructions on how to treat people around us, especially when it's difficult. And the first thing he says to us, if you're keeping notes, write this down. He says, have real empathy. And notice verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Alright, Paul says a lot of things in these three verses. Uh, We will not hit all of them extensively. You could easily do a full sermon on each one of these verses. But I think the common thread that's going through all of this is the need for us in our interactions with other people to learn how to have real empathy. Okay, in other words, don't approach people as if you're the center of the universe. Okay, and that's the way that we typically walk around in our everyday lives. We think, here's me, here's my perspective. Now, as I interact with everybody, how do you fit into the things that are going on in my life? Right? Here's my priorities, all the things that I'm trying to accomplish. And as I see you, I see you as a means to an end. Either you're going to help me achieve my goals or you're going to hurt me in trying to achieve my goals. And I try to manage relationships as a way of really keeping myself and my perspective at the center of the universe. When we learn how to have real empathy, we start to think about other people. I'm not just in this world for myself. Okay? I'm in this world to help you. How can I learn to not be the center of the universe and instead learn to see things from other people's perspective. Jesus simplifies this really well for us. He says, treat others as you would want to be treated. Right? In your interactions with each other, think about what does it look like for the other person. And let me start there instead. Alright, so here's some practical applications for how to do this. This is all based on these three verses we just read. How do we get out of our own selfishness as we scurry around for the holidays. Okay, and, and my advice for you if you're taking notes is don't write down all three of these that I'm about to give you. What I want you to do is pick one. Okay, if at the end of this sermon you can just pick one thing and say, hey, this is what I'm going to work on 
for the holiday season. This is an area that I need to grow in as a person trying to be more empathetic. Okay, pick one thing, write it down, and that's your holiday homework. Fair enough? All right. Nobody said yes on that. Okay, okay. You didn't know there was going to be homework. That's all right. All right, so here's the first piece of advice, and that is be fully present in conversations, okay, even casual conversations. Okay, because what happens, especially when we're stressed out, especially when we feel like we're going too many directions and we don't have enough time, is we listen to people with only half of our brain. Okay, and what we're doing with the other half of our brain is we're thinking about the next person we have to talk to, the next place we have to be, the next thing that we need to say in this conversation. In fact, the majority of us are terrible listeners. And I read an article about this just the other day talking about how because of changes in our technology, changes in our culture, we are actually getting worse at listening. Chances are your grandparents were better listeners than you are. Um, in fact, in this article, it talked about how terrible we are. Uh, most first graders, most seven-year-olds, are actually better listeners than adults. They did a lot of research on this, and it turns out that most young elementary school kids catch about 90% of what's said to them. Okay, the average adult woman catches just over 50% of what's said to her. And sorry, guys, but the average adult man catches just less than 50%. She's actually right. She is a better listener than you are. Okay, but when my seven-year-old is better than either one of us, there's not a whole lot of room to brag. Okay, we are terrible listeners, which is part of why it's always so refreshing when you finally talk to somebody who's really good at this. You know, I have an uncle who always surprises me with how good of a listener he is. Okay, when he's talking to you, you feel like he's really interested in everything about your life. He asks questions, and when he does talk about his own life, he does it as a way of amplifying your own. Okay, he's just a good listener. Okay, every time I talk to him, I think, I want to be more like that. Right? You just feel better after having a conversation with a good listener. I don't have a book, chapter, and verse that I can point to to... Uh, prove it, but I can pretty much guarantee you that Jesus was a phenomenal listener. I think that when he talked to somebody, they felt like he was fully present and fully invested in the conversation. Okay, and you think about it, if ever there was anyone who had every right to talk and not listen, it was Jesus. Okay, if ever there was anybody who had more important things to be doing and thinking about, it was Jesus. Okay, if ever there was anyone who actually was the smartest person in every conversation they ever had, who actually was the superior party in every interaction they ever had with anybody, it was Jesus. But what does Jesus do? Time and time again, in the stories we read in Scripture, he treats people with great empathy. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Learn how to be a good listener. Okay, so try this season. Okay, even if you're busy, when your phone beeps, ignore it. It'll still be there at the end of your conversation. Okay? You don't have to respond to that tweet right now. You don't have to look at that text message right this second. Be fully present in the conversations that you're having with people. Learn how to rejoice with those who rejoice. Learn how to mourn with those who mourn. Okay? Be fully present in your conversation. All right, number two. 
is make an extra effort to treat service providers well. Okay, and I have this point here because Paul specifically says in this text, do not think that you're better than the people that you're interacting with in society. Okay, especially if you occupy a higher place in the social structure, don't approach that interaction with pride. Intentionally be willing to associate with people who occupy a lower social space than you do. Okay, in our culture, a lot of the people that tend to get run over, especially this time of year, are the people working those low-wage jobs that we all rely on as we're going out and doing all of our Christmas shopping. Okay, for a lot of retailers, this is their make-or-break season. It's by far the busiest time of year. And if you've ever worked retail, you know that you dread the holidays not because it's busy, but because of the customers you have to interact with. All those Christmas shoppers tend to be short-tempered and demanding and bossy. Okay, you get worse customers this time of year than any other time of year. Okay, also, during the holiday season, a lot of seasonal help gets hired. Okay, it's always low-wage kind of jobs. Turnover is always very high. Okay, in other words, half of the retail people that you encounter over the next few weeks are all brand new at their job. So, the next time you go to a store and have to ask for assistance from a sales associate, I want you to do a few things. Okay, I want you to, first off, assume that they're new. Okay, they probably don't have a great handle on their job yet, so they need that extra dose of patience. Okay, assume that they're working this service job because they have financial stress in their life and they're not paid all that well. Okay, also, assume they're probably covering for somebody who didn't show up for their shift. Okay, also, the dude that's making $8 an hour at Target has no control over the store's inventory. So when you get frustrated at them because they don't have that special toy that you just had to have two days before Christmas and you didn't get out earlier to go get it for your precious kid, okay, it's not his fault. I used to work at Target. I'm just saying. Okay, if it was you or if it was your son or daughter that was working there, how would you want customers to act towards them? And that's how you need to act towards those workers. Okay, another part of this is tip well. All right, especially if you're obviously a Christian going out to eat on Sunday afternoon. Okay, if you and your whole family show up at a restaurant and you're all really well-dressed and it's 1230 on a Sunday, that service worker knows this people just got back from church. Okay, they just got out of church, they came to my restaurant, now they're sitting at my table. Now, notoriously, Christians are the worst tippers. That's not a good reputation. When we go out in our Sunday best on Sunday afternoon, we don't just represent ourselves and our family, we represent the body of Christ. Okay, So we need to treat those service workers as if we don't just represent ourselves, but as if we're representing Jesus. What kind of impression do we want Jesus to leave with this person? That's how we need to act. Okay, And finally, we also need to be patient. Okay, as I mentioned earlier, I went to the Mall of Georgia yesterday, and that's a patience-trying kind of experience this time of year. I didn't know that it had started quite yet, but it has. They're busy. Also, we live in Atlanta. It's going to take you a little while to get where you're going. Just know that at the outset and be patient. Okay? Don't pray for patience this time of year because God will give it to you, right? All right. Number three. 
Another practical way we can show empathy, and this one is, is difficult, but find the irritant and intentionally treat them better than they deserve. Okay? <laughs> okay, because here's what happens, right? The holidays bring out the best in the irritants. Okay, also, when we are intentionally too busy in our lives, when we got too many things on our plate and we're going too many directions and we're a little stressed and our fuses are just a little bit shorter, that's when the irritant tends to be especially irritating. Okay, and we need that extra dose of patience. Okay, see, every business and every church of any size always has one or two people who are irritants. Okay, so if you're sitting here this morning and you can't identify who the irritant is at your office, I might have some bad news for you. Okay? Just saying. When we're particularly stressed, stretched for time and patience, the irritant becomes more irritating. Okay, Paul tells us, though, in this set of verses, he says, don't be conceited. Don't be above associating with people you consider to have a lower position than you. Okay, whether that's an economic position, a social position, whatever it is. Do you want to grow in empathy? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Then find the irritant that nobody treats well and make an effort to treat them well. Because here's the thing. Numerous times in your life, you have been treated much better than you deserve. The reason that you are here this morning is because God treats you better than what you deserve. Okay, so one of the best possible ways to show empathy is to find an irritant in your life and go out of your way to be kind to them. Okay? Some of y'all need to write that down. All right? Uh, so pick something off of this list of three things. Pick one of these things, uh, and chances are the one of these three that you don't want to work on is the one that you need to write down, and that's your homework for the holiday season. Okay? How do we show empathy to people around us, especially when we're stressed? All right, number two. Uh, Paul says not only are we show empathy, uh, but we are to be agents of peace. Notice starting in verse 17 what he says. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. All right, here's the original context of this. Uh, Paul is writing the, the book of Romans to a smallish group of Christians living in the city of Rome. Okay, they are a small minority people surrounded by thousands of people who do not see the world the way they do. And as a result of the Christian's faith, they didn't fit in real well with the surrounding culture. And they made easy targets for all of the pagans living around them. Okay, there would be lots of people who would pick on the Christians because they were different. Okay, in business, there's lots of accounts in the ancient world of how Christians got snubbed because they made easy targets. In social situations, they would often 
get the short end of the stick because they were Christians and nobody cared if you picked on the Christians. Okay, so Paul's main point here is that when pagans do evil things to you, when they pick on you, when they take advantage of you, when they make fun of you, even when they hurt you, don't respond with revenge. He says you respond with peace. God will take care of the vengeance. God will take care of retribution. You don't have to worry about it. Your job as followers of Jesus is to be kind of your enemies. To be kind to your enemies. Okay? Your job is to make sure, as far as it depends on you, to be at peace with everyone. Now, this runs against our natural inclination. Okay? I've got two sons, um, and I don't know if you know this about boys or, or siblings in general, but they have occasion to fight. All right? And what typically happens is one of my kids will go and just kind of out of the blue, go punch the other one. Okay, or push them over, or take something out of their hand, or whatever it is, right? They're very good at irritating each other. And they're getting to where they're almost the same size. So I keep warning Luke, look, your little brother's going to pass you soon. You need to be careful how you treat him now, right? Okay, but one little boy will do something to the other little boy. He'll hit him or something like that. Now, the other little boy, number two, he's got to respond, right? Now, when he turns around to deck his brother... Okay. Is he going to do so with less force than the original hit, the same force as the original hit, or as hard as he possibly can to try to knock his block off so that he can win? Okay. C, yes. C is the correct answer. All right. Okay. Our natural inclination is to get ahead in a conflict. If you insult me, I want to insult you back, but I want to do it in such a way that it digs at you harder than you dug at me. Right? Okay, marriages do this. You say something to your spouse. She says something back to you. And before you know it, you're no longer arguing about where to go to dinner. Now you're arguing about exes and who's more like whose mother. And you always do this and I should have married so-and-so, right? It escalates. I don't want to get even. I want to get ahead. Okay, and one of the consequences of increased stress such as that which comes during the holidays, is that our tolerance for other people shortens. Our patience shortens. Our inclination to fight increases. Okay, but if we're going to keep our faith in spite of the holidays, we have to lay down our desire to fight and be agents of peace. Okay? In other words, I don't want to turn on the news at the end of Friday and see that any of you got arrested for arguing over a PlayStation in, in Toys R Us, right? That's not it. Okay, don't get baited into a war on Christmas. Right? If your coworker says happy, happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, don't get upset. If the barista at Starbucks doesn't have the holiday cup that you really wanted for your mocha, it's okay. okay your job is not to win a culture war. It's to be an agent of peace. Okay, this time of year, I hate to say it, but that also means we need to treat other drivers. Yeah, never mind. I can't even go there. I can't, I can't go down that road. Sorry. When that moron cuts you off in traffic, what's your inclination? Because it reflects your character. Do you think, I want to bless his heart? Or do you teach your children new words? Right? How do we treat people when they wrong us? It's a reflection of our character. Now, sometimes peace isn't up to you. 
Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Okay? There's some people that you will never be able to be at peace with, okay? but the teaching is you make sure that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are doing everything on our side to be agents of peace and to have peaceful relationships with people around us. Uh, one final story on this, and then we'll be done. Uh, the country with the largest Muslim population in the world is the country of Indonesia. And back in 2003, there was a survey done of their favorability rating towards the United States of America. Okay? And the number of Indonesians who had a favorable view of the United States was a whopping 15%. Okay? The next year, in 2004, they had a massive tsunami. You remember the big tsunami of 04? Okay, and if you remember, you remember that the United States was at the forefront of providing humanitarian aid. Immediately after all of that aid flowed from the United States and other Western nations to Indonesia, the favorability rating of Indonesians towards the U.S. rose to nearly 50%. You want to improve your relationships with others, even people that don't like you, even your enemies or irritants around you? Overcome evil with good. Learn how to treat others as Jesus treated you when you were still an enemy to him. The only way we can ever create peace in this world is if we will be agents of peace and treat others with love even when they don't deserve it. Okay? Again, you were treated with love when you didn't deserve it, and our job is to be Jesus to the world around us. All right, at this time we're going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. And during the singing of this song, we as the church want to be here for you. I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. We would love to talk with you or pray with you about anything that's going on in your life today. Uh, we would love to celebrate with you what it looks like to walk in the ways of Jesus. Uh, before we sing that song, though, I would like to speak over us a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace.